This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. This is the Adam Gold Show. You most certainly are. Most certainly are, not must certainly are. Gosh. One day I'll be good at this. It's the Adam Gold Show. That is Dennis Cox on the main room strings. Well done. You do you do so many things so well, sir. Uh, must certainly am. <laughs> Can we start over after that debacle? Just, gosh, so bad. Uh, who kn- Who's working on just a handful of hours of sleep? Me. Yeah. I know. You got up early. You <laughs> did a show. Very early. I was going to say before I got up, but no, I was already up. Uh, Hurricanes played last night. We had uh, a very exciting Carolina Hurricanes win. The Eagles went to 8-0 last night. We have a World Series where the Phillies are now on the brink of elimination. I guess, uh, really, it's probably better. The Astros won win away from wrapping up their second World Series title in the last six years. There is a lot going on. Kyrie Irving got himself suspended yesterday. Yeah. There is a ton of stuff to talk about. A couple of quick things. Dennis, yes. welcome to the program today. Oh, thank you. I haven't seen you since Wednesday. Actually, I saw you yesterday, but uh, for the sake of other people not knowing. Uh, let's see what else we have. Uh, we have a big weekend of football. We do. We're going to have to talk about that. We're, we got the Panthers and the Bengals. We're going to talk to Darren Gant. We've got Luke DeCock coming in. We're going to talk ACC football. Carolina's going to, to Virginia, where traditionally it's been a problem, but the last few times hasn't been. No. Then Carolina's better than Virginia. They shouldn't have a problem uh, at all. We have State and Wake. Yeah. That's a big game. I'm curious to see which NC State philosophy is going to show up. That's I've been saying this since the beginning of the season. What are we going to try and be? Not who we are. What are we going to try and be this year? And when they had to, they decided to play offense, which was very good for MJ Morris. So, ton of things to do. Uh, we welcome Dennis in for the program today. And uh, then, I don't know if we get back to normal on Monday or not. I have no idea. Nobody does. I have no Nobody idea. has a clue. It's a jigsaw puzzle. All right, let's start. Train of thought could be an issue today. I don't know why. Hmm. I don't know why I think that. One game away from the Houston Astros' second World Series title in six years. They win it 3-2 last night. First time in the World Series that a team was not ahead 5-0. (laughs) First time. In the other four games, a team led 5-0. Amazing. Uh, Great defensive plays at the end. But how about the exploits of rookie shortstop Jeremy Pena? Two and two the count as Pena lifts one in the air to left field. It's hit pretty well. Schwarber's back at the wall and will watch it go. Jeremy Pena lofts one into the seats in left for a home run. And the Astros go on top two to one. Pena had an RBI single in the top of the first that gave the Astros a one nothing lead. Then he hits the home run. Uh, he was also he was also uh, in the middle of the inning that had the Astros tack on a run in the top of the eighth. 
three for four, a home run, couple of runs batted in. He is uh, hitting 381 in the series. Stands a pretty good chance. I wouldn't call it automatic. Pretty good chance of being the MVP. He's had a, a super postseason. Remember when Carlos Correa was their young shortstop of the future? <laughs> Ages ago. It was. It was all of a year ago. Correa spent this year in Minnesota, and he's going to be a free agent again. But, man, this Jeremy Pena kid is a pretty good ball player. Uh, so Houston staked Justin Verlander to that one nothing lead in the first. And remember game one of the series when they staked Verlander to a 5 nothing lead, and he got crushed from that point on. So what happens to the first batter he faces after getting the one nothing lead? Kyle Schwarber hits a home run. Justin Verlander hung tough. I mean, initially you're like, you know, that sucks. Um, but, uh, I mean, as a starting pitcher, been there, done that. You, I mean, it, it just is, it just sucks because of the moment and obviously all the questions and um, weight. But, um, you know, you have to rely on the hundreds of starts and the thousands of pitches I've thrown before and, um, just kind of say, okay, like I've given up leadoff home runs before. Let me bear down. And, you know, I, that's not going to be indicative of what's going to happen the rest of the game by any means. Um, let's see what happens. You certainly hope not. But when you have Verlander's World Series history, it's natural for doubts to creep in. And I'm sure that they did. But he pitched very well from there on out. Um, Dusty Baker is now one win away from his first World Series, but he has been there before. He has been one win away from a World Series title. As a matter of fact, it was 20 years ago when he had the Giants one win away. They they also had a Game 6 lead, but they were in Anaheim against the Angels. And then they got beat by a rookie pitcher named John Lackey in Game 7. I think the the Giants just got blown out Mm -hmm. in Game 7. But they blew a lead, uh, I believe a seventh-inning lead they blew it in Game 6. All right, the Carolina Hurricanes are now 7-2-1 and one on the season after last night's 4-3 shootout win over the Lightning. Another game that sent the Canes' Twitter into a free fall. Uh, by the way, Dennis, do you ever, like, peruse Canes' Twitter during games? I mean, yeah, it's kind of my job for Bally. Oh, he, good. <laughs> yeah, so yes, I do. Kane's Twitter is, they're beside themselves when things don't go right. I mean, like, every game is a referendum on everybody. Of course. But it's always entertaining. But Carolina was utterly dominant last night. They were the better team than Tampa. At 5-on-5, five five, I didn't think it was close. Yeah. The, I mean, Tampa scores two power play goals. It seemed like, other than that, Carolina was all over him, creating chances. Can somebody score into a yawning cage, please? Oh, gosh. Jesper Faust, Paul Stasny, Jordan Stahl. Seth Jarvis, I think, had a a wide-open net chance. He had scored a goal, but it could have been two. My The Hurricanes could have scored six goals last night. Mm-hmm. Could have done the same thing against Washington uh, a couple of days ago, by Monday. But that's how it is. 
This team, however, does seem to have a knack of figuring a way through. So you're down 3-2. Your power play, your penalty kill has already yielded two goals, both in the second period. Second periods have been a problem, too, by the way, for Carolina. And Brett Pesci goes to the box, although I didn't think Brett Pesci did anything to go to the box, but whatever. Pesci goes to the penalty box with about seven and a half minutes left, and the lightning power play with a lead is coming on the ice. Brady Shea makes a play at the blue line, goes the other way with Sebastian Ajo. Jesper Faust goes to the net. Shea gets enough room to beat Vasilevsky, and it's 3-3. We head to overtime. Canes waste the power play in overtime, but still they win it in the shootout. Uh, tremendous, tremendous game, performance, better result. And I think unsung here is that Tavo Teravainen and Sebastian Ajo each scored in the shootout. Yeah. Huh? That's Ajo's first shootout goal since 2017. Yes, he had. It's his fourth all time. But yeah, they, have, they don't even use him in the shootout. Well, yeah, he's been 0 for his last eight. <laughs> that's 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 not a lot, though, 0 for 8. No, but still. He just doesn't get used in the shootout. Well, it's funny. I remember Jacob Slavin early in his career was great on shootouts, and well, I, I mean, don't know why he's not using it. I much. think he is still part of the mix, but uh, I I thought it was tremendous that Tav- t- for in many ways that Tara Vinen scored because they they about to they're about to lose because Ross Colton had made it one nothing oh, in the guy. fourth inning. Yeah, Ross Colton did he get a Golden Globe for last I night? I think so. Good job for uh, for him. All right, let's uh, we're going to talk to Rod Brindamore in five minutes, so let's move away from this. While all of that was going on, the Philadelphia Eagles were going to eight and zero on the season, a surprisingly mediocre twenty nine seventeen win. Over the Texans, probably not Philly's best game of the year. They did what they had to do. They pulled, put it out of reach with an early fourth quarter touchdown. Jalen Hurts threw both of his touchdown passes in the second half. It was a 14-14 tie after 30 minutes. Here's Hurts on the record. I know it's special for the for the for the city of Philadelphia, you know. And I mean, I've, I've been 80 no before and and lost the national championship. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, just take it day by day. You know what I'm saying? Take it day by day. Uh, we we haven't accomplished anything yet, you know, and it's just a, it's a day-by-day thing of us um, trying to grow every day. I think that's truly what it's about. Uh, the head coach, by the way, is also 8-0, Nick Sirianni. Yeah, it's just the next one. Um, you know, at, at this particular point, being 8-0 sweet, right? And, it, you know, it beats the alternative of being 7-1 or 6-2, right? And so um, we know that our our goal wasn't to go 8-0. Our goal is to take one game at a time. And I'm at, that's that's our goal. And so um, is it good Is it good to be able to have this long weekend instead of 8-0? Of course. But we know that we're going to get back to work on Monday um, and go, go attack th- this next game against Washington like we attacked this last game against Houston. It's sad to me that we've already started the talk of can Philly go 17 and 0. It bothers me, right? But well, what else is oh, never mind, I'm not going to <laughs> But they do have a pretty soft schedule. I mean, there are some tough games. They've got the Titans left. They still have another game with the Cowboys that'll be in Dallas. Uh, I think they have uh, another one with the Giants. So there are t- there are difficult games left on their schedule. So I'm not saying that they basically play, uh, you know, uh, Eastern Kentucky the rest of the way. 
but it is silly from this standpoint. Like, I know the Eagles are good, but I don't think anybody believes that the Eagles are a juggernaut. I mean, there's really just one of those in the NFL, maybe two, if we assign the Chiefs the same status. The Bills are the juggernaut. I think the Eagles are very good. I think they are the best in the NFC, but I don't think, and and because I don't think they're a juggernaut, I have a hard time seeing them go 17-0, no matter how bad the schedule is. And by the way, who you play does matter. I, I've heard I heard that this morning that well it's not the Eagles' fault that they that their schedule has been soft. Nobody's blaming the Eagles, but who the Eagles have played to this point actually does matter. Should they schedule better out of conference? <laughs> they tried. Is that what the committee wants? They 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 tried to schedule better schedule better out of conference. All right, real quick before we hit the Rod Brindamore, this is a great story about conference realignment especially for those who always push back on basketball not mattering. It appears that Gonzaga is in talks with the Big 12 about leaving the West Coast Conference and joining the Big 12. Now, there's some talk about Gonzaga starting a football program as well. Whatever. If, If that's what happens, that's what happens. But we all understand that Gonzaga would be doing this to play basketball in a be- in a better league. So I will just there's a, a number of things I want to point out here. The first is if this happens, George Klyovkov and the Pac-10 or 12 or 8 or however many teams will be left should shutter their doors immediately. If you are the Pac-12 and you allow Gonzaga to join the Big 12, then you do you are you're done. You're just flat finished as a league especially with your with when you're losing UCLA you have to add Gonzaga if that's a possibility all right that's that apparently they also talked to the Big East which I know I saw your eyes I saw your eyes Dennis you went Uh, what the Big East they're in Spokane Washington the Big East Put up a middle finger to geography a long time ago. Mm. Creighton in Omaha, Nebraska is in the Big East. Denver and lacrosse plays in the Big East. There you go. See, there it is. Uh, Marquette in Milwaukee, Wisconsin plays in the Big East. Yeah. Right? DePaul in Chicago is in the Big East. There is no geography in the Big East. There has It has nothing to do with geography. It is simply... A basketball league. Mm-hmm. Gonzaga would fit beautifully. Butler in Indianapolis yeah. is in the Big East. Um, it would be extreme, but I appreciate the Big East for exploring the possibility. But I think Gonzaga needs this move more than the Big 12 needs this move. I know they're talking about, oh, the Big 12 clearly be the best basketball league. Okay. I'm not even, I'm not getting into silly debates. Uh, but... I've said for a long time, there's a reason why Gonzaga has not won a national championship beyond that it's hard to win a national championship. The reason is that Gonzaga plays in a conference that does not make them better. Every other team inside their league, they have to get better over the course of the season. Otherwise, 
you lose a ton of games. Gonzaga doesn't have to do that. At best, there are two losses in their league. At best. If they're really good, they shouldn't lose any except maybe at St. Mary's. That's it. It's the only time they should ever lose. Because the rest of the league isn't even close to their level. But this would be a game changer, and it would help Gonzaga basketball. Now we got a hockey game tonight. Adam Gold here with my man, Coach Pete Deruta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. Are most of your clients hands-on, or they just give you their money and let it work for them? About 90% give the money, and then we meet every year and go through status reports, sure. have a financial pit stop, making sure everything's fine. It is like a puzzle, Adam, but for the next 10 of you, we'll solve your own retirement puzzle at no cost or obligation. Call and claim your comprehensive review with Coach Pete and the team, 888-843-0013, or text ADAM to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. All right, Rod Brindamore, how do we talk about that double minor without getting you in trouble because to me Jalen Chatfield maybe I saw it wrong I didn't think Jalen Chatfield committed a penalty on Hayden Fleury and then somehow they tacked on additional two in the scrum that I believe was initiated by Tampa uh is there a way to talk about this without getting you in trouble depends who's listening I guess (laughs) um well nobody's listening you're right I mean I I've kind of gotten to the point where it's just at some point it's going to be, you know, not me, but we need like a player that has clout to say we got to change, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and then I think any of the kind of recommendations that I've made over the year might actually work, <laughs> you know. But when I do it, it just sounds like sour grace. But when the guys that are playing say enough's enough, because it just it's impacting the game, like totally, and it, it, it's. You know, I got we we talked about this at length. I mean, right, we're, we're referencing in the dark ages essentially, and there's the technology is so good, and these guys are great. I mean, they all looks like penalties to me when we watch it live. Mm-hmm. Like, you're like, okay, penalty, and then you see it t- two seconds later, and like, wait a minute, that's not a penalty, and then that leads to something else. It leads to the game being impacted too greatly. You know, you want the guys out there to to settle it, not you know, not based on something that avoidable so these calls you know they let that led to five on three and another incident later in the game like it's just the embellishment all that stuff you just look at it you see it then it's clearly you know it'd be settled a little differently i guess so we'll get through it at some point but the players are gonna have to be the ones to you know say okay wait is there a better way to do this and there clearly is so and again this is not against the officials I, i think they do a tremendous job tremendous I just think they, the technology is there to help them out, and we can they can do it efficiently. Yeah, embellishment uh, could have been called, but it was not called. But it's all right. I think uh, Ross Colton has a golden globe uh, in the mail coming to him. Uh, here's the, the thing that I don't want to get lost in all of this, and it's a good thing that you guys did end up winning the game, is because I thought you guys were really good <laughs> last night. I mean, at five on five, and that's that might be the best game that you guys have played for 60 minutes, no? Yeah, I, I, we've had maybe two or a game and a half where it hasn't been good five on five, in my opinion. So we, we've we that game was solid, like you just said it against that team. That's been, you know, and we've have had games. It, was, it felt a little bit eerily similar to a lot of the games we've had against them, mm-hmm. where we're going along great, 
And, you know, that goalie's keeping him in it, keeping him in, and then something crazy happens and we end up on a five-on-three. Like, it just it just reminded me of, you know, playing in the playoffs and things like that. But, you know, the difference this time around was when we were able to get the win. So, I, I just – I like the way we, we were able to kind of take the, the blows, like, you know, or the, the bad bounces or however you want to look at it and just kind of park it and just keep, keep moving forward. You had a lot of chances to score, and this is not just last night, but it kind of goes back a few games. Jesper, I saw Jesper Faust, Paul Stasny, and Jordan Stahl all look up at the rafters uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> after after missing what I'm sure they believe were tap-in putts uh, mm-hmm. for goals. Uh, do you just laugh those off at the end of the day? Uh, well, it's a lot easier when you at least get the two points. Right. Um, those ones sting you know, big time if you lose, lose the game. And those are the ones that you don't sleep at night. You probably don't anyway as a player because, you know, you want to score. And, you know, I think Jerry had one too, actually. Yeah. So we, we had, you know, like you said, more than our share to just put that game away. But, you know, that's that doesn't always work that way. And traditionally with us, it's always been a little harder. And so it's just part of it. I think it's actually helped us in a way because we have had a lot of games like that. It's not like that, that's new to us. We've seen the, you know, just the way we play and maybe just the way we have unfortunate around the net sometimes. We don't get a lot of goals on our scoring chances like we should. So we, we need a few extras, and I think the guys understand that, but it's still frustrating. Yeah, I mean, the, the Washington game could have been five or six to two, and it was we needed to shoot out for that one. Uh, two good things I thought, even in the shootout, uh, and we'll start with Tavo Teravainen, who I thought actually played, especially defensively, a pretty good game. Uh, and I, it was his pass to Stasny that uh, Paul actually slid f- back through the crease mm-hmm. uh, after beating Vasilevsky. Uh, but Teravainen scoring the goal that you had to have to keep the shootout going, can something like that translate for him? Well, you're going to build on that and hope it does. I don't. I personally don't know if one game bleeds to the next at all. You know, it shouldn't really. You know, good or bad, it's just, you know, you got another job to do. But as a player, you know, seeing it going to net and really help, like you said, in a in a crucial time um, for the group. You know, you hope that that okay, it makes him feel good about you know his game and. And, you know, if you feel better about what you're doing, generally you play better. So hopefully uh, that jump starts him a little bit. And Sebastian Ajo, who you never use in a shootout, and we needed almost two shootouts uh, to get to him. Uh, but that was a nice little move. I guess he was watching Kuznetsov the other night. I've never seen anybody slower in a shootout yeah. succeed. But Seabass pretty much slowed it down to a crawl and made a great move. It's a great move. And the thing about beating that goal is you have to, you know, Tara Vine's move was very, very special. Yeah. You know, he had a bunch of fakes in there, a bunch of like, maybe I'll shoot, maybe I'll do that. It's the only way you beat the goalie. I got, he's that good. And, you know, I don't think, you know, I don't know that he's led into in a shootout before. Like, I mean, I'd have to go back and look, but it's, you know, that's, that was a, we, it was a good move, and uh, you have to pull it off again. All right, final thing, and we're gonna, we all can agree that Martin Natchez right now is playing uh, his best hockey. But let's talk really quickly about Brady Shea, uh, who has been tremendous really since he got here. I heard you talking about it last night, uh, but the play that he makes at the blue line 
on the on shorthanded really leads to the goal. And Jesper Foss being available as sort of a decoy on the right side probably helped it out as well. Well, there's a lot on that play, right? And you you touched on it. The the, the end part is great, but the, the the stand at the line and then the read and being able to jump your guy and you know then jump up in the ice. But the dead goal doesn't happen if if you know Cookie doesn't go to the net because it doesn't drag that D back. And you know then you have to have the great pass and the great shot. So there's a lot of things that go into it, but that's you know what you have to have. And that was obviously a huge goal at that time of the game. Good luck against the Sabres tonight. They're just scoring like four and a half goals a game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, like a high, you know, some, some really special players. Um, big, too, that can fly. And they're playing. When you watch them play, it's like uh, they're just going for it. You know, they're, they're kind of playing with them to lose. Kind of, that's what it kind of feels like. So they're going to be dangerous, that's for sure. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The one and only Darren Gant, Panthers.com. So you traded Christian McCaffrey and discovered a running game. How does that how does that work? Yes, I alone was responsible for it. Thank you very much. It's, uh, you know, bow down before me, all you fantasy football GMs. I finally got to live the dream. Um, no, it's uh, it's interesting. I think part of it is Deontay Foreman has been that guy in the past. Yeah. I mean, if you look at what he did last year in Tennessee, uh, when Derrick Henry goes down, it's kind of, you know, it's almost as if that's why they brought him here, you know, <laughs> as the plan in case, you know, Christian wasn't available for a different reason. But uh, he's done this before, and he's a big physical back, leans on people, uh, creates contact on his own. So, you know, he's um, he's a different kind of back. It's more old school. He's more of the Stephen Davis type, uh, who we've obviously seen come in and do some good things here. So, you know, we'll see uh, what it looks like in the long term. I, I just think with Christian, you know, I, as I'm sure you guys have talked about a lot, it almost just felt like it was time. It was people yes. who needed different things in a relationship. And, you know, Christian uh, is in a spot where, you know, it's probably the perfect place, honestly, mm-hmm. for him and his skill set out in San Francisco. And what they needed was draft capital because as they look in the next offseason, they're obviously going to be looking for quarterbacks. And, and now they've got more picks with which to try to acquire one. Darren Gant, Panthers.com, is joining us. I actually termed the – I guess we haven't spoken since the trade. I actually have termed the McCaffrey trade a mercy trade. It, it's sort of like – uh, you know, the, the, the animal is suffering, uh, and because you love the animal, then we, you, we put the animal down. So they decided that the, the relationship between the Panthers and McCaffrey, well, not a bad relationship, just the, his career here needed meaning. So we put this career down, and we gave him, we assigned meaning to the rest of his career because it just didn't look like it was going, th- this team was going to be good enough 
uh, by the time his skills may be eroded in three years or so. But uh, I am curious. Well, that, that took a dark turn, Adam. It did. I'm not going to lie. I, look, that, I have uh, a lot of time to think about I these things. I wasn't expecting. I have a long drive to and from the show, the station every day. So I have a lot of time to reflect on things. Uh, but I, I think it was a good trade for both sides. I appreciated sure. that the Panthers got some draft capital back. And we'll talk about that draft capital in a bit. But is there a – there has to be a different feel around that team. And it has nothing to do with, you know, we finally got rid of Christian McCaffrey because that's obviously not the case. Um, right. But there has to be just a little bit of a different feel with Steve Wilkes and, and with some other people who have basically now have no choice but to step up and contribute. Right. And, and you know, I made the analogy the other day in the mailbag, which you can read at Panthers.com. <laughs> it, it, it's almost like a foxhole mentality. And, you know, when you're in a battlefield situation, the guys in your foxhole are your closest friends because they're the only ones that can save your life. Right. Uh, some days. And that's there's a little bit of that. I mean, it's almost like what's left around here and everybody's looking around like, well, we're the only one. So they have, I mean, and I do think a good bit of credit goes to Steve Wilkes. One of the things I'm always careful about, I I think there's a reflexive thing in sports journalism or sports media. It's not all journalism uh, to when somebody has gone to make everything that was wrong, that guy's fault. Um, You know, you can disagree with the Matt rule, uh, idea or era and still recognize that some of the stuff he put in place here is valid and some of the things he was saying was true it just wasn't getting done and I think Steve's got a Steve's done a good job of kind of grabbing guys up and saying hey we're this can still matter it does still matter for us and for the people in that foxhole it does still matter Steve Wilkes is coaching for a future you know and every player on this field right now is the same way but I'll be honest with you I mean last week in Atlanta I've seen you know, after the pick six right before halftime, I've seen Carolina Panthers teams of recent vintage, not just Matt Rule teams, but other teams, lose that game by 20. Mm-hmm. And they did not lose that game by 20. They were in position to win it a couple of times. Should have won it, uh, to be honest. And I, I heard yeah. it again this morning. I heard Mike Green, Mike Greenberg on ESPN say if uh, if DJ Moore keeps his helmet on, the Panthers win. Uh, maybe. I mean, Eddie Pinero did miss the same field goal that that is an extra point in overtime. So I don't blame DJ Moore at all. Not one single bit. I don't blame DJ Moore. I mean, I mean, if you wanted to blame anybody, and I don't even like that because kickers are he's not trying to miss it. Yeah. You know, Eddie Pinero needs to make either the forty-eight yard extra point, which is almost, you know, 80% pretty much for NFL kickers these days, or make the one in overtime and then the Panthers still win. So I'm not even going to play yeah, that I mean, game. Listen, listen, multiple things can be true at once. DJ should have left his helmet on. Eddie should have made the kick. Brian Burns should have tackled Marcus Mariota in the backfield rather than <laughs> letting him scramble 30 yards in overtime to set up the game-winning field goal. That, so, that's another good thing. We, you know, P.J. Walker shouldn't have thrown a pick six right before <laughs> halftime. So, you know, there there's plenty of that to go around if you want to go down that road. I mean, and, and listen, I get it. We've done this for a long time, you and I, so you know how the game goes. I mean, Eddie is still – I was kind of amused that there were people thinking, Eddie's going to be cut. This was the 33rd kicker in the league, you know, when your <laughs> regular kicker got hurt in the preseason. So he was the first guy off the recycling pile – and, you know, he's the best available at this point. What are you going to find that's better, better than Eddie Pinheiro right now? You're not. He's in the top half of the league in field goal percentage. Yeah. So, 
you know, I mean, it's let's we can be mad about things and also have some perspective. All right, here's here's some perspective with Darren Gant, and I've been talking about this now, and I figure I I came to this realization, uh, and I think it was when the Robbie Anderson Robbie with a Y. Uh, blew up on the sideline with a Y with an I. Who can no remember? no with a Y? It's it's not new Robbie. It's old Robbie. The I love Steve Wilkes. I think they should take the interim tag off him now. I'm not concerned with how many games they win. It's easy for me to say that here, and I freely admit that. But I think it matters <laughs> to him. Spend somebody else's money. <laughs> exactly. I think it. I think being the head coach of the Carolina Panthers would matter to him. Not as a job, but as uh, sort of as a mission. Something that, because I think the organization means more to him because he's from here. I just, I think that matters. I think I'm I'm using as as an example the head coach of our hockey team here, Rod Brindamore, wanted to be the head coach of the Hurricanes, not of an NHL team of the Hurricanes. I think this would matter to Steve Wilkes. I think he's a great guy to be the front face of your franchise. Yeah, and we it's hard to tell. And people ask me what I think it's going to, you know, this thing could change six times between six, eight times between now and the end of the season. And, and right now everybody thinks, oh, you got to get an offensive mind. My my thing on offensive guys is that supply is kind of picked over now. And, and for every great young coach you think you're getting, there's a couple who may not be as great. They're, they don't all get to be Shanahan or McVay. Mm-hmm. So, it's um it, it's weird. I I do think Steve has done some things in the last couple of weeks, and you could tell in that post game locker room the other week after the win here that it was just different. And the the feeling it's it had been right or wrong. I mean, at the end coming down the stretch of the Matt Rule era, there was a weight on this franchise, and you know everybody kind of felt it and you know you had a suspicion that it probably wasn't going to turn around anytime soon especially with the injuries and the quarterback situation but you know in that post-game locker room it was all lifted and you know they weren't supposed to beat Tom Brady ever especially with (laughs) DJ Walker at quarterback especially with an interim coach after firing one five games in a year none of this stuff was supposed to happen and I think that feeling in there was real I mean the guys have talked about it in the days since. And and a lot of that's got to do with Steve. He does carry himself with a competence, with a gravity that, you know, is able to keep what could be a a frantic situation calm. And that's a credit to him. I mean, that's what he exudes. And, you know, that kind of calm, competent leadership. And, you know, that's what they needed in this situation. Because whether, you know, it's an interim coach. It's an interim quarterback. It's an interim running back. It's a lot of interim pieces <laughs> right now, to be honest, with the Carolina Panthers. So I, I think those guys that are still here are just trying to make the best of it. Right, let's talk about the interim quarterback before we we wrap this up with Darren Gant at Darren Gant with two T's on Twitter, Panthers.com. The interim quarterback. Maybe P.J. Walker is the right guy for this situation for right now, and the Baker Mayfield era or the Sam Darnold era is simply over, and we can just let P.J., assuming he stays healthy, roll the rest of the season and be done with it. What a time to be alive. 
<laughs> think about that for a second. Think about the words that just fell out yep. of your face hole, Adam. Uh-huh. I mean, this is Philip J. Walker, who was going to be cut yes. at the end of training camp if Sam Darnold and Matt Corral don't get hurt mm-hmm. in the preseason. I mean, that's just that. That's not an opinion. That's a thing that was going to happen. And now my coworker at Panthers.com, Augusta Stone, wrote a story about PJ this week that included comparisons to Tom Brady, who he beat, um, Patrick Mahomes, who name-checked him for the pass at the end of the Atlanta game the other day, and the fact that if P.J. had enough attempts to qualify, he would be 11th in the league in passer rating right now, right (laughs) behind Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson. I mean, (laughs) those four names just came out of my head in regards to P.J. Walker. I mean, think about that for a second. None of this is supposed to be happening. So, uh, P.J., to his credit, and I almost said bless his heart, but he doesn't deserve that. Um, PJ, to his credit, has seen some things yeah. and and lived through them. He was in Indianapolis when Andrew Luck decided to retire at the end of a training camp. So what's going on here right now isn't even the weirdest thing he's been a part of. He's in the XFL, for God's sake. <laughs> so, um, yes, in that situation, I mean, much like with Steve Wilkes, I think his personality lends itself to – kind of the chaos that's swirling around him because to him it ain't all that chaotic and he's played well I mean I may or may not have been a little sarcastic the other day during the Rams game when I said let PJ cook yeah um but at the same time in that Rams game they handcuffed him they didn't let him throw downfield because they didn't want him to make a mistake I mean in his career at that point he had two touchdowns and eight interceptions seems reasonable but in the last couple weeks they want to. It's an old school plan. You run the ball and you let the guy throw downfield and get yards in chunks. It's very Dan Henning, Jake DeLome, mm-hmm. uh when you look at it that way. Uh, because that 03 offense was all based on handing it to the big back and running play action off of it, moving the ball downfield. Uh, it's also how the Raiders became the Raiders run the ball and then take shots down the field, and it's worked. Yep. I still can't believe Atlanta allowed DJ Moore behind the defense, but hey, that's an Atlanta problem. Hey, he split two guys. I mean, that wasn't Haruki Nakamura. That was that was an offensive player making a play. Come on. Oh, that was great. Darren Gant, you're the best. I appreciate your time, my friend. Uh, yeah, man, anytime. You got it. At, at Darren Gant with two T's for extra talent. This is the Adam Gold Show. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.